shout out to our... I, I, I am so grateful for them and for those in the media booth, those that are loving on our kids right now. They're in a three-hour marathon today with our kids, started at 9 o'clock. Those that have served coffee, those that have helped in so many ways make today be what it is, which is gathering in the presence of God. Amen? And I just want to give an extra warm welcome to any of you that may be joining us for the first time, extended family or friends. My name's Andy. I serve as one of the pastors here along with Ann. We're called the Raggedy Ann, Raggedy Ann team. Uh, if you hang around long enough, you'll know why. Um, but um, I'm just so grateful to be able to join with you here today. And, and you're always welcome to be a part of this movement of faith here in the center of Woodstock called The Way Woodstock, where we commit to sharing in hope living with purpose for the sake of others. And speaking of sharing in hope, I think we all would agree it makes a world of difference whether someone's dead or alive. Can you get an amen to that? And as followers of Jesus, we profess and believe that Jesus Christ is risen indeed. And for everyone else, no matter how admired Jesus may be, he's still a dead man. He's still a dead man. In fact, those followers of Jesus, on that first Easter morning, they went to the tomb not expecting a risen person, but a dead body. They went and they discovered that the tomb was empty, that Jesus Christ indeed had risen from the grave, and the resurrected Jesus is in our midst today. Happy Easter, y'all. Happy Easter. But on this Easter, I want to invite us to go back to that first Easter. There's several encounters where Jesus showed up and showed off and reminded his followers of the fulfillment of what he had promised by coming back to life. And so join with me today. We're going to go to Luke's gospel, the gospel according to Luke chapter 24. And in fact, there's a number of occurrences, even just in this one chapter, of Jesus showing up on that first Easter. And I want to read this one. It begins in verse 36. Hear God's word for us today. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish. You know, he'd be hangry after three days. I'd be. Sorry, that's not in the text. They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then they opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses. To these things. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's continue in worship by going back to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? 
Almighty Father, just as your son Jesus opened up the scriptures to those his first followers. God, whether we're a skeptic, a seeker, or a sojourner with you today, Lord, I pray that through the power of presence of your Holy Spirit, you would open up again these words, your words, to us anew today. So, Lord, may the meditation of our hearts and minds, and may the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And may your spirit have its way with each and every one of us. I ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. 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 So here's something else I think we all can agree on today, and that's this. It is practically impossible to go through this life without wounds. Would you agree with that? It's nearly impossible to go through this world without having wounds. And some of those wounds are a little more evident than others. There's physical wounds that scar us outwardly. But there's emotional and there's relational, there's spiritual wounds that deeply wound us and scar us internally, even to the depths of our being. And Jesus, knowing this, full well had said, he declared to his disciples right before he was about to be arrested, he says, in this world you will have trouble. Now he just didn't just say that, he lived it, didn't he? And he had scars to prove it. And not just the scars from his hands and his feet and the the spear that went through his side, but we're talking about those scars like ours that go deep to the depth of our being. Jesus experienced those too. Because you see, Jesus knows what it's like to be betrayed by friends, to be disowned by family, to be despised and rejected by the religious leaders. Jesus is one that knows what it's like to be falsely accused, to be forgotten, To be forsaken? You see, Jesus indeed knew pain. And he experienced the most gruesome and tortuous and shameful way one could ever die. And then in the wake of all of that, in the wake of that, we find his followers enduring the pain and the loss of their beloved Jesus. The Jesus that for some of them had been touched by him and healed. The one that he had spoken words of life where they felt death. The ones that have began to find a sense of belonging where they had lost all sense of identity. This Jesus had died. And many of them were the ones there. They had seen and heard those metal spikes going through his hands and his feet. They watched helplessly as Jesus was hoisted up on a cross and spat on and hurled insults from a crowd. These were those that had heard his cries from the cross and even perhaps heard the gasps of his last breaths, even him taking that very last breath. Many of these had seen that soldier take a spear and run it through his side, knocking out any sense of doubt whether or not he was dead or alive. And compounding this grief, compounding this pain that his followers were experiencing was the delay of a proper burial. They were good Jewish people. They wanted to give Jesus a proper burial, but Shabbat, that is the Sabbath, was about to commence. And when the sun was going down on that day in which Jesus died, there was no more work to be done, even burying that of a beloved loved one. And so they hastily take his body down. They bind him up in burial clothes. They would have to wait until after Sabbath had come and gone for them to do the thing that they wanted to do, which was a proper burial. And I don't know about you, 
but if you've ever lost a loved one, part of closure for me comes in being able to do that act. And so imagine those, his followers, on that first Easter. Can't wait to get there to do that. And yet, on that first Easter, on that first Easter, their grief was met and confronted with disbelief as they began to hear the news that Jesus was no longer in the tomb. It was the women first that went out there. They went there at the crack of dawn. You know, they were eager. I was telling Claire, because I whispered in her ear this morning, I said, it's early. It's very early in the morning. She goes, I know. (laughs) I said, but you're going to help lead sunrise worship, right? Yes. It was very early in the morning. And Wes too, right? And Alan and several others. But I didn't get to whisper in your ear. I was just whispering in hers. But it was that early in the morning that these women went to the tomb. And they went there for one reason and one reason only. They went there to finish the drill. They went there out of a memorial, out of giving him the decency of a proper burial, but the tomb was empty. And they met two men in white. If you look earlier in Luke's gospel, and those two men said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And they're overjoyed, and they're confused, and they go running back to the rest of them that are in a holy huddle in fear of being persecuted themselves, and they are telling them all what they have seen and what they have heard. And like typical men do, sometimes they don't believe, right? I mean, and Peter, I mean, I would have been like Peter. I don't know about you, but if I had seen my best friend run through with a spear, having been hoisted on a cross, died and buried... I would want to go and hear and see for myself. And that's what Peter did. And as Peter did, he found it exactly as they had said it was. So you fast forward just a little bit later in the day, and we find that there's two more of these followers of Jesus, and and for some reason they've just got to get out of town. And I don't know about you, but after being huddled up for three days and starting to hear all of this and the grief that was going on, I'd probably want to get out too and get some fresh air. And these two walked toward Emmaus, a village several miles out. And in the midst of their walking, Jesus shows up, but they don't recognize him. It's not until they invite him in later that day and he begins to break the bread that they realize this is Jesus before them. And so what do they do? That They pick up their cloak and they run with their sandals all the way back to Jerusalem and they barge the door knocking it in, I can imagine just busting in with the 11 and the rest there, as we read just before we read today. And they declare this in verse 23. It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And he goes on to tell them, the rest of them, how Jesus appeared in the breaking of the bread. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the disciples hearing this news? And then to top all that off, Jesus shows up in the flesh right there with them. Can you imagine the shock of it all? I mean, Jesus had to talk them off a ledge. And they'd have talked me off a ledge too. Like I said earlier, if I had seen my best friend die in that way and buried, standing beside me, talking to me, I'd have to be talked off the ledge too. And so what does Jesus say to them? He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. The shalom, that, that inner peace, and yet they do not have 
inner peace. Because he goes on to ask him this question, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Only if you were to look at that translation, the New International Version doesn't quite grasp it at the depth because the word minds, the Greek word that is there is cardia. It's where we get the word heart. And the heart and the understanding of the Jewish faith was the whole essence. So they were troubled to the depths of their souls. And he's saying, why are you troubled this way? But then he moves on to not draw their, his, their attention to what he has to say, but what he has to show them. His hands and his feet, his scars. And no doubt, Jesus did this along with eating the fish. I mean, I know he was hangry after three days, but literally, this was to prove, in fact, that Jesus was alive in that day. But you have to wonder, there must have been a deeper reason why he was saying, look at my hands and look at my feet. And I have to believe that he did that to let us know that we're not alone. That we are loved beyond measure. And to show his followers then, as he shows us today, that we are worth Every piercing and every pain that Jesus endured on the cross for you and for me and for all of humanity. Imagine. Imagine. You see, in the midst of their pain, Jesus calls them to look at his hands and look at his feet. And I believe that the resurrected Jesus today stands before each and every one of us, stands here in our presence, and he's asking us, in fact, he's calling us to do the same, to look at his hands and to simply look at his feet. And so I say to you, all of you today that might find yourself discouraged today, Jesus, may you hear him say, look at my hands, look at my feet. To all of you that are questioning whether you could be loved, you feel unlovable, you feel rejected, may you hear the words of the resurrected Christ say, look at my hands, look at my feet. For those of you that are questioning your self-worth or your sense of identity, may you look to Jesus today and hear him say, look at my hands, look at my feet. And to all of us today that walk with the shame and the guilt and the sin and the brokenness in us and between us, that think that we can never be forgiven? May we encounter the risen Lord telling you and me, look at my hands. Look at my feet. You see, Jesus' scars are shouts of victory. Jesus' scars is God's proof that he can take the tragic and turn it into triumph. That he can take the grotesque and turn it into glory. That he can take the most vile and evil that has ever occurred and turn it into good. This is what Jesus' scars reveal to us. God's unending, unbending love for you and for me and for all of humanity. You see, his scars can remind us that we can trust him. That he has our best interest in mind. That God loves us. You see, Jesus faced everything, everything that threatens to hurt you and I. The sin within, the sin around us, the shame, the guilt, the hurt, even death itself. Jesus defeated all of it. And Jesus endured that pain and he took it upon himself, those scars. Not for himself. 
but for you, for me, for all of humanity. (laughs) You see, his love for us is written on his body and the scars that he wears. Proof of God's love for us. And those scars, they're now bearers of God's divine glory, radiating the light of God's presence, which transforms everything and everyone that it touches, including you, including me, including the depth of our brokenness and our woundedness. You see, Jesus didn't decide to conceal or alter He decided to reveal his scars to each of us. And he invites us to touch them. And in being touched by him, we begin to experience the healing that God has for each of us and for all of us. You see, his scars are now instruments of healing. Isaiah had it right, didn't he? Some 700 years before, by his wounds, we are healed. We are healed. And so as we gather on this Easter, I want you to simply consider this. Jesus is offering to touch, to reach out and to touch each and every one of us with his wounds, with his scars. And to begin to heal your hurts, to begin to heal your wounds, to extend his saving grace for our lives. And begin to heal us so that our scars might become like his. Radiant. Radiant scars. You know, any of you that have been in the journey with us over the last 40 days in Lent have heard some testimonies. And each of those brave souls have shared their hurts and their wounds and their journey in healing. Some wounds healed, some in the process of being healed. But I can tell you this, Jesus in touching their wounds and them being willing to share them with us is allowing those scars to be radiant and to begin to heal ours as well. Amen. Thank you for those of you that have shared in this journey. God doesn't want to just hear from them. He wants to reach out and to hear and to touch each and every one of us. You see, what God's begun to do in them, God offers to do in each and every one of us, too. And so this Easter, may we simply look to his hands. May we look to his feet. May we embrace that saving grace that Christ has for all of us. And in doing so, may our testimonies be radiant as well. May they be testimonies to what Christ can do and what Christ is doing in each and every one of us. Because after all, we're called to testify to that. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Amen. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. May I pray for us as we continue in worship? Almighty God, I thank you that even when we run the other way from you, even when we hide in shame and in guilt, even when we question our worth or our lovingness, your defeat of sin and death, 
the wounds and the scars of the hands and feet of Jesus Christ and his side as well are proof of your lavish, extravagant, (laughs) unearned grace and love. God, for those of us that are questioning that today, I, I pray that we would reach out to someone who's a little further along in our faith journey and ask them to tell us more. For those of us that have been sojourners, maybe we needed to hear it again today that you can heal all things, you can transform all things, and you can renew all things. Beginning with your son, Jesus Christ, for you so loved the world that you sent him into this world that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And I love how the scripture of John captures further, God, that you remind us that you didn't send him in the world to condemn us, but to save us. And most often we need saving from ourselves. Praise be to God for your sending your son. Praise be to God for his wounds that are now healed. Praise be to God for his willingness for your son to heal our wounds too. May we testify to that today, this Resurrection Sunday. For indeed you are alive, Lord Jesus. May you enter into each and every one of us anew today. I ask this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.